0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 56 of the Let's Talk Photography podcast. I'm your host Bart Buschatz, and this is the show for May 2018. Another solo show this month Um, and last time we had a very factual one where we looked at levels and things like that um, or in fact specifically the histogram Uh, but this, this month very 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 different so very much soft squishy arty side of photography this time around and again inspiration has come which is kind of ironic from the wonderful Shutter Time with Sid and Mac. Uh, three episodes ago, back in episode 193, they had a very interesting conversation on their show with a friend of this show, and indeed neat friend of mine, Antonio Rosario. Uh, they were looking at a book of prize-winning photographer, or photographs from the Pulitzer Prize for Photography. So these are amazing photographs over the many years that the Pulitzer Prize has been doing a prize in photography, which is since 1968, and well, they're highly thought-provoking images. And Antonio has mentioned a few times that that you know those images, the book of those images, one of the formative moments in his photographic life. And it was a very wide-ranging and interesting discussion with a couple of a couple of very interesting points to it. And in particular, one of the things I don't think any of the, the panelists had planned that it would be the outcome of the conversation, but inspiration came up because. The simple fact of life is that an awful lot of Pulitzer Prize-winning photographs are not of fluffy bunnies. They are, in fact, of human beings' suffering. And an awful lot of the time, not all the time, uh, that suffering is caused directly or indirectly by other human beings. Now, obviously, that's not true in the case of volcanic eruptions and other natural disasters. But an awful lot of the suffering you see in those photographs is you know, human beings suffering because of literal brutality from, you know, one human being against another in terms of war, terrorism, all of that, that whole spectrum of horrible things, totalitarian states, etc. And then the indirect stuff where you have famine being caused by, well, totalitarian governments, war, that kind of thing. Um, you have people suffering because of prejudice, because of hatred. So there's like, it is a fact of life that the Pulitzer Prize winning photographs tend not to show the best sides, the best angels of our nature, as a former American president might have said. Um, and that can be quite easy to get a little bit depressed about. Um, and it was, it was interesting listening to the emotional journey that um, the guys went on because yeah, they did go there. They went to the whole. Well, does it mean anything? I mean, if this has been happening since 1968, it's still happening today. So clearly, we humans are just doomed to be horrible so and so's forever and ever and ever and ever. And you know, things picked up again for the end of the show. Thank goodness, um, and became you know sort of swung around to a more positive way. Yeah, just because it doesn't solve everything doesn't mean it doesn't do anything, and it's probably still for the good. And you know, it, it, that's it. They went to the emotional roller coaster. And I can see why, because these kind of photographs make you stop and think. But the bit that I don't think anyone was expecting to get out of it was that Sid used the word inspiration to describe these images of suffering. And that somehow was a bum note in the brains of the other two panelists. It just, like, you know, it didn't sit right, it didn't sit well, it somehow seemed off. And that got a very interesting discussion going about inspiration, which continued, in fact, in terms of listener feedback, and then continued in an entire other episode dedicated to the topic, which is episode 195 of Shorter Time with Sid and Mac at shortortimewsidandmac.com. Uh, different Sides of Inspiration is the name of that episode. It's episode 195. And at the end of the episode, uh, Sid invites listeners to send in their feedback. And I thought, well, I have the leisure or the luxury of a podcast of my own, so rather than just sending in feedback, why why don't I use this as an excuse to actually think about this stuff and try and put my thoughts into some sort of coherent form and and turn it into a full episode of this show uh, where I try to go through my thoughts and see how I get on. So this is this is really subjective stuff, right? This is my opinions, this is my thoughts. Um, so this is not at all our typical factual delve into these kind of things. They, you know, so this is me thinking. And I hope it gets you to think. I hope you go back and listen to the episodes of Shutter Time with Sid and Mac. And you know, send me feedback through let talk.e, or send Sid and Mac feedback uh, through their website, Sid and Mac uh, Time with dot com. All one word, Shudder Time with Um because this is really quite the fascinating topic. It seems perhaps a bit strange to start here, but let, let's start very factual and Let's start with the dictionary definition of what inspiration is, because sometimes I think we we use words so much that they develop their own sort of personal meaning to us. But sometimes it's good to step back, I think, and look at the official or the authoritative meaning of a word before we dive too deeply. So the definition from the dictionary, according to the Googles, is that uh, inspiration is a noun, which is, The process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. So inspiration doesn't even have to make you do. Just making you feel is already, by the definition, inspiration. And inspiration is the process of being mentally stimulated. So inspiration is a process, which is interesting Uh, And there's a special emphasis implied for creativity, although not necessarily required, but it is especially a word used in conjunction with creativity, which, of course, for photography, applies very much. So one of the things that occurred to me, I've been noodling on this for for two weeks now, at least. um, And one of the things that occurs to me is that you can think of inspiration as a graph, as a chart. Now, bear with me, don't go running away. Uh, So we talked in the last installment about the histogram and we said that the colour of the pixel was on the x-axis with black on the left and white on the right and how many pixels in the image were on the y-axis, so the up or down axis. And then you had the normal shape of a photograph is the so-called bell curve. Little or no, absolute, absolute blacks, some shadows, lots of stuff in the mid-tones, some highlights and little to nothing, absolutely white. That's a very, very typical shape of so many things we see in the world around us. But I don't think inspiration works that way. I think inspiration is literally the opposite of that. An inverse bell curve centered around ambivalence, around not giving a bleep. Um, so if we imagine the horizontal axis, the x-axis, we imagine how strongly we approve or disapprove of something. So disapproving, hating things we do not approve of, we do not like, they go to the left. So they're the minus numbers. Something we literally couldn't care less about if we tried goes smack dab in the middle at zero. And then stuff we like a lot, approve of a lot, support a lot, the positive sort of emotions they go into the positive numbers, so towards the right. So from stuff you really strongly disapprove of and don't like to stuff you really couldn't care about, to stuff that you strongly approve of or strongly like. That's your x-axis. And then your y-axis is how strongly you are inspired. And clearly, the middle of that graph is the exact opposite to the middle of your standard histogram. The middle of that graph is basically zero. Stuff that you don't strongly agree with or disagree with, or don't in fact have a strong opinion on any which way, and stuff that you don't find either good or bad... Basically, stuff you don't care about, you don't care about. So it doesn't inspire you to do anything. So the middle of the graph is the zero point. Now, the easy side of the graph, the side of the graph that no one finds in any way controversial, no one finds in any way weird, no one finds in any way uncomfortable, no one even thinks twice about When we think of the word inspiration, everyone agrees that stuff we like a lot and stuff we improve a lot inspires us a lot. That's utterly uncontroversial. So what you have, coming up from that zero and heading to the right, into the traditional positive numbers, you have a graph flying off towards infinity. So something that you love infinitely will inspire you infinitely. The more you love it, the more it inspires you. The more you approve of it, the more it inspires you. So that graph heads off to infinity in that direction, which is exactly the opposite to your histogram that you would normally see, which heads towards a zero as you're heading to the right. Now, now let's look at the other side. Because, doesn't the same hold true the other way? Something you really dislike stimulates you to do or feel something. It inspires you. And the more you disapprove of or dislike, the more you're stimulated to do or feel something. So actually, in terms of the inspirational power, things you hate things you detest, things you despise, things you find horrific, things you find awful, they're just as inspiring as things you adore, things you love, and things you find beautiful. So you have this U-shaped graph instead of the usual mountain-shaped graph that we're used to, the normal bell curve. So it's an inverse bell curve. And somehow, I think it's deep in human nature... We get a bit ugged out by people describing Adolf Hitler as inspirational, because we have a positive association. We think we tend to think of inspiration as being positive, and pretty darn clearly that chap wasn't positive. But his power to inspire is very high, because most of us, thank goodness, disapprove of him very strongly. So being very inspired by something is either a strong approval or a strong disapproval. And the fact that it can be a disapproval too is probably the more controversial. Um, And probably because in shorthand we tend to say something is inspirational. We tend to mean it's a good thing, even though actually it could mean the exact opposite. But we don't tend to use it that way in society. We don't talk about, ah yes, you know. The oppression the, the, the oppression of women throughout the centuries, very inspirational. That sounds really, really wrong. Like, horrifically wrong. But actually, it was really inspirational. Emmeline Pankhurst and the suffragettes, they were seriously inspired. And what inspired them was all of this horrible injustice. This evil, you know, just, well suffering you know this patriarchy this paternalistic this you know refusal to allow them to live their own lives that inspired them and it's not positive it's not nice it's not a good thing but it is very inspiring and in that same way i basically agree that the pulitzer prize photographs are very inspiring um not easy to look at many of them You certainly can't, as as Antonio, I think it was, said very clearly, you cannot absorb those photographs en masse. You can't just hoover them up. You can't go to the website, which is linked in the show notes, and look at all the winning photographs and just absorb them in five minutes. No, it takes a lot more than that to digest what it is you're looking at, because... What all of these winning photographs have in common is that they connect you to the humanity of the subjects of those photographs. And those human beings, while well, doing that, means you empathize with people suffering horribly for all sorts of reasons. And that, that is emotionally draining. That is difficult. And that's not something you can do en masse because it just bounces off you. Um, so, yeah, that that's... So, I basically, I think... That's how I think about inspiration. So it's basically an inverse bell curve where stuff that you disapprove of strongly or dislike strongly is as strong of an inspiration as stuff you like a lot and approve of a lot. Now, when you think about inspiration in in that kind of a way, as uh, you know, what you end up with is a force which affects change. Um, one of the reasons I think the fact that horrible things inspire strongly makes the universe a better place is, is I would say it's one of the best forces in the universe is because it's a mechanism for turning the most ghastly of stuff into a force for good so being inspired by horrible things is a mechanism of turning horrible things into a force for good, a force for making the world a better place or at least a less bad place, which is arguably the same thing. So I, I think there is genuine beauty in the fact that horrible things inspire us strongly. Because that allows us to basically, it's sort of a jujitsu move, turn evil into a force for good. And that, that's got to make this universe a better place. And that, well, frankly, if you'll excuse the horrible pun, I find that quite inspiring. Now, another inspiration related question that was posed um by the Shuttertime guys was, you know, what inspires us? we if young, know, if you listen to uh, podcasts about photography, the chances are very high that photography in some way inspires you. Um most of us, I think, take photographs, but even if we don't all take photographs, all of us enjoy photography in some way, we wouldn't be listening to this or speaking into microphones um so why what is it that compels me not compels what is it that inspires me to pick up my camera what is it i like or approve of that makes me you know that that gives me the energy to take a camera point it at it press the shutter process the image share the image all of that kind of stuff what is it that inspires me in photography now i While I completely understand and adore the fact that negative things can be very inspiring, the reality is that's not how my photography works. My inspiration, generally speaking, comes from the quote-unquote positive side of my inverse bell curve. And the vast majority of the photography I've taken in the last few decades and shared with people... Has been ultimately when I think about it, when I dig deep, when I scratch below the surface, it all comes down to the same thing. I love learning and I love sharing knowledge. So, why do I take pictures of trains? Because I'm fascinated by how railway systems work and I want to share. Why do I share pictures of the beautiful Irish landscape? Because it's something I really want to share with people. Why do I take pictures about local history? Because it's an excuse for me to go learn. Well, what is that? Little church, where did it come from? What's it doing there? Why is it here? And then to share that same knowledge, interest, understanding, and the same is true of wildflowers and of butterflies and basically of the canal systems around here. It's I like learning stuff and I like sharing learning, and that is the driving force behind the vast majority of photographs that show up, you know, that I publish to share with the world but not all. Majority, yes, but not all. Sometimes what compels me to take up my camera is the fact that I need to work through something, that I uh, that I need to work my way through some emotions. And in those cases, it actually can be from the other side of the graph. Um, now, I still haven't shared these pictures with the world. I will do. I just haven't. And it's a series of images I worked on for a year um, of historical cemeteries, so old, old places where people are buried. And I shot them all in stark, contrasty monochrome. And I very much worked on the concept of these images not being standalone of making collages. The intention was to make collages because actually the intention was to make a calendar out of these. And so there was a lot of focusing in on the detail and the big picture with the intention that they would always be shown together. So an, over, an establishing shot and then some detailing of carvings on headstones and that kind of thing. But the, the whole project is clearly because I needed to work my way through, literally, grief. Um there as these, the universe seems to do, a bunch of deaths just got bunched together and arrived. Um It's funny how these things you know, the universe does that. And it it was a lot to deal with and it was a lot to absorb and a lot to think about. And one of the ways I did that was through photography. But that's I say that's not of what I shoot isn't like that but it does happen and like I say, I think probably the reason that the images have only been shared within the family is because that's kind of what they were about and that's kind of what inspired them and so they became a calendar which hung on the walls of my house and many of my family members' houses but they haven't yet made their way onto Flickr Um, but um, they will I just, not quite at a place where I want to do that yet, but I will, I will. Anyway, so that, that's, that's kind of what drives me, but there is also, when you start to think about what inspires people, it does, inevitably, there's a related question, which again also came up in the first conversation with Antonio over on shorter Time, which is a very challenging question. Does it actually achieve anything? Does it actually matter at all? And it's very easy to accident, not accidentally, to understandably, reasonably, emotionally uh, fall fall. I'll use the word fall into somewhat negative point of view. Well, okay. So the Pulitzer has been running these annual prizes since nineteen sixty eight. It's now twenty eighteen. In nineteen sixty eight, there were images of horrible suffering inflicted on man by man, and in twenty eighteen. They're images of human beings suffering because of horrible things done to them by other human beings. So clearly, nothing has changed, right? The world was a horrible place. It's still a horrible place. So the Pulitzer Prize achieved nothing. It's it's easy to think that way. It's easy to... I would almost say to fall into that very depressing thought, because that is a pretty darn depressing thought. Um, But I don't think that's the right way to look at things. I don't think it's a zero-sum game. I don't think it's an all-or-nothing game. Clearly, photography is never going to solve all of mankind's problems. But that's not what determines whether or not it has value or whether or not it achieves anything. Right, the fact that it doesn't achieve everything doesn't tell you anything about whether or not it achieves anything. And the Pulitzer Prize, in particular, you've you've literally a selection effect, right? It's a real thing, selection effects, and in the case of a prize, it's a very, very literal truth. The Pulitzer in no the Pulitzer Prize winning photographs are in no way average or representative; they are selected. So all they can really tell you is that in 2018 there is still horrible stuff on planet Earth as there was in 1968 69, 70, dot 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 but it doesn't tell you anything at all whatsoever about whether or not there is more or less suffering on planet Earth than there was a century ago. So you know the point of surprise the fact that those photographs keep showing horrible things does not tell us anything about whether or not you know the arc of justice or the arc of history is bending towards justice as um, uh, Martin Luther King would have put it or in fact did Um, so we should be careful not to get overly depressed I think um, by the fact that the Pulitzer Prize continues to be needed. I I sort of think of the world as being, like, you know, a gigantic oil tanker. It's not easy to change its course, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. Because on average, its course seems to be towards this place sucking a bit less. But it's slow and plodding. And while it occasionally gets a jolt by a major world event, on the whole, what's actually moving, you know, change forward is billions upon billions of little things. Billions upon billions of human beings having a moment. Of human beings stopping to realize, stopping to think, stopping to ask more. We're just stopping to feel. And photography is one of the ways that we can make those atoms of progress happen. Particularly photography of the quality that wins a Pulitzer Prize. That makes a lot of atoms move. That makes a lot of these little small movements towards change. If if a Pulitzer Prize winning photograph makes one human being stop, think, and reevaluate their prejudices, then it was worthwhile. If just one person becomes a little bit less prejudiced, then it was worthwhile. But I would argue that those great photographs make a heck of a lot more than one person think, stop, feel. You know, it it they have impact. They are, you know, we describe these kind of photographs as impactful, and I would argue they are impactful. And I would argue that they are moving this whole world in the right direction, slowly, ploddingly, one atom at a time, but that makes them extremely valuable in my eyes. And so that's how I manage, in my mind anyway, to think of these kind of photographs as a good thing even though there's so much negativity wrapped up in them, on the whole, they are actually a force for good in the universe. And that that's, well, that's a good thing in my book. Um, that is, in my opinion, literally inspirational. So basically, this entire podcast episode has really been me, very, very slowly, realising that I completely agree with Sid. So, um, there we go. Um, as I say, I highly recommend you listen to the episodes of Shut Time with Sid and Mac. They were really good discussions um, and they really got me thinking and I'm hoping the same can be said of you. Uh, if you've enjoyed this show, you can find links to the episodes in question and the definition from the dictionary and the link to the Pulitzer Prize website and a very 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 rough bulleted outline of what i was planning to say and what i think i did say as i recorded this show um, i don't believe in scripts so this is live into the microphone based on a few bullet points anyway those bullet points the links etc are all going to be sitting in a blog post over at lets-talk.ie which is the website for this podcast if you would like to support the show you can go there and you can find the post for this episode and you'll see in the sidebar a collection of large blue buttons under the heading Support the Show. Please consider doing so if you enjoy the show. So, first off, this isn't... Well, okay, money's important, right? The simple fact is, bills come in, I have to pay them. So, financial support is A, needed, and B, highly appreciated. Um, but it is by no means the total set of all support that is needed and or appreciated. Um, so, first and foremost, if you enjoyed this show, please share it with other people you think would enjoy it too. Please consider leaving a review on your podcast uh, place of choice. And if you'd like and can, and are in a position where it's not going to hurt you, help out financially, then I really appreciate it. Um, and you can do so very, very effectively for the long term by signing up as a patron. That is such an effective way to literally support the show because i have bills coming in every month i have patreon money coming in every month in an ideal world one would line up exactly with the other we're getting you know if we ignore the fact that there's occasionally new things need to be bought actually those things are pretty much in line now so the month-to-month day-to-day running of the show is now taking care of itself which is amazing and i thank you all very much for getting us at this point uh what isn't really quite lined up yet is the fact that from time to time I need to buy new bits and bobs um, and that's not quite been covered yet but we're heading that way so look, thank you all it is amazing that the show gets as much support as it does and I really appreciate it so that's the Patreon link the way it works is you pledge a small dollar amount for every show that comes out, it's one Patreon account for the Apple on the Photography Show so it'll be exactly two podcasts every month so if you'd like to throw $5 my way every month then pledge $2.50 because it'll come out twice in the month. If you want to pledge $2, you know, or if you want to give me $2 every month, then pledge a dollar. you get the idea. It will be, you know, whatever you put in as the per show, there will be two of those every month. That's that's all I'm trying to say. Uh, and then the other very obvious way of supporting the show financially is a PayPal button. You literally click the button, type in an amount of number, and hit send. And what happens is that that amount of money comes to me minus some fees for PayPal. And the reason Patreon is so great is because it's an effective efficient mechanism of small dollar transfers where all the money doesn't end up going into paypal's pockets because if you send me one dollar through paypal paypal get 40 something cent of that and i get the remaining 50 something cent uh where paypal really comes into its own is if you want to make a one-off larger donation you know five dollars ten dollars whatever really doesn't matter you know but when you once you go above the you know one or two dollar amounts then the balance shifts and it becomes, you know, a fee of 79 cent on a tenner or something. That's a whole different kettle of fish than a fee of 40 something cent on a dollar, right? So PayPal is great for one-off, larger donations. Patreon is amazing for the small one-to-one. And then if you're a fellow nerd and you need a domain name, there is an affiliate link for hover.com. That link is only of any value if you actually need a domain name. And similarly, there is a link to... um digital ocean who do really cool uh vms cloud vms which you can rent service space in the cloud basically and if you need some of that if you use that affiliate link you get some money off i get some money off and it's all good but again only if you actually need hosting so those those links are only actually useful if you actually need something okay i have uh, babbled on long enough about this bit so let's dash talk dot for the show notes and to support the show i've been your host bart bush you can find me at part b dot ie and until next time Happy snapping. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Looking for a podcast to get your geek on? Then listen to my favorite ladies' podcast, The Three Geeky Ladies. Join Alyssa, Suze, and Vicky as they discuss tech products and other topics that caught their attention. The Three Geeky Ladies podcast on the my Mac Podcasting Network.